In the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 8 through 18, I'm going to be reading a translation you probably don't have in front of you today. It's the Living Bible, and I love the way this reads. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 8. After Christ said this about not being satisfied with the various sacrifices and offerings required under the old system, he then added, here I am. I have come to give my life. He cancels the first system in favor of a far better one. Under this new plan, we have been forgiven and made clean by Christ dying for us once and for all. Is anybody glad about that this morning? For under the old agreement, the priest stood before the altar day after day, offering sacrifices that could never take away our sins. But Christ gave himself to God for our sins as one sacrifice for all time and then sat down in the place of highest honor at God's right hand, waiting for his enemies to be laid under his feet. For by that one offering he made forever perfect in the sight of God all those whom he is making holy. And the Holy Spirit testifies that this is so. For he said... This is the agreement I will make with the people of Israel. Though they broke their first agreement, I will write my laws into their minds so that they will always know my will. And I will put my laws in their hearts so that they will want to obey them. And then he adds, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless deeds. Now, when sins have once been forever, say forever, forever forgiven and forgotten, There is no need to offer more sacrifices to get rid of them. The Lord laid a brand new message on my heart this week. Something I've never heard preached before. I don't know if you have. I guess we'll find out here in just a few minutes. But I'm thankful today that the sacrifice that he made was once and for all. Once and for all. There are people here today that I need to communicate this word to. Many people. I want you to pray with me and for me this morning, if you would, one last time. And just ask the Lord to have his way. Father, thank you this morning for your presence we've already felt. Thank you for Mount Calvary. Thank you for the old rugged cross. God, I pray today that for the next few moments you would move me out of the way. Decrease me. Lord, that your Holy Spirit may be increased within me. Don't let me speak my words or with the enticing words of men's wisdom. But Lord, let your word come forth today in the power and the demonstration of your Holy Spirit. I ask you, Lord, you would remove every hindrance that would come against this service or prohibit anyone from hearing and receiving what you would speak to us today. And God, I ask you to anoint every ear to hear, every heart to receive, every eye to be opened, Lord, at the sacrifice that you made. And we'll forever give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for the sacrifice you made once and for all. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus, whom we celebrate today, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Won't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're seated this morning. Thank you, Ben. I want to take just a moment on this Resurrection Sunday to go back to the very beginning of time and lay a foundation for you that will help us see the bigger picture 
of the real reason that we celebrate today. Not only the reason that we celebrate, but the reason that we have to be forever grateful for this supreme sacrifice. Immediately after Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they did something all the way back at the beginning of time in the book of Genesis. They did something that may seem a bit unusual. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7 tells us, At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. See, sin produces guilt, and guilt generates the need for a covering. Our natural instinct is to try to cover up our mistakes rather than admit them. Somebody help me preach this morning. And that natural instinct that we have to cover up our mistakes rather than admit them is inherited from Adam and Eve. It went all the way back to the beginning of time. And they instinctively thought the way to cover their sin was to cover up their mistakes with garments of their own making. But when God came looking for them, on down in verse 8, in the cool of the day, the Bible tells us, in the cool of the day, they must have felt a sudden draft in that garment they had created because they realized how inadequate their self-manufactured apparel was in the presence of a holy God. Only when they grasped their inability to cover their real guilt before God were they in a position to receive God's provision for their sin. On down in verse 21 we read that the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. This verse right here records the very first death ever in the Bible. The skin for Adam's and Eve's covering came from an animal that God had created and then killed to make a sufficient covering for his children's guilt. The first death ever recorded in history was a sacrificial death. Something innocent had to die in order to cover the sins of somebody guilty. And God was the one who provided that sacrificial animal. You see, under the Mosaic law, there were numerous and unending offerings and sacrifices that God commanded as a perpetual reminder of the people's sins. And the climactic offering or sacrifice for sins of Israel as a whole would occur annually on the Day of Atonement, which is described, if you'd like to read further, in Leviticus chapter 16. But it was then on the Day of Atonement, once a year, that the Jewish high priest would enter into the most holy place in the temple that was called the Holy of Holies. That was where the presence of God was thought to dwell. The Holy of Holies contained this box that was called the Ark of the Covenant. A box that, among other things, contained the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses on the mountain. And on top of that box was a lid, a gold lid, that they called the mercy seat. And on the end of the box, on each end, was the representation of a special kind of angel. It was a cherub that was associated with guarding the holiness and the very presence of God. You see, the picture was clear. God, looking down at the Ark of the Covenant, saw His law being violated by His own people day after day. Can I get a witness? But once a year, that high priest 
after offering a bull sacrifice for his own sin, would enter in into the Holy of Holies. And what he would do is he would sprinkle the blood of a goat across the mercy seat, symbolically covering over or atoning for all the sins of the people. So when God looked down at the ark, he no longer saw his law that was inside it, He no longer saw the transgression of the law, the sins against the law. But you know what he saw? He saw the blood of an animal covering the sins of the people. But who created that required sin offering? We read that God reminded the Israelites that he was the one who created the animal that they offered on the sacrificial altar. Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you, God said, I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood. Somebody say it's the blood. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Is anybody in the house this morning thankful that you've been cleansed and made clean by the blood of Jesus? But once again, we see the picture of something innocent dying for those who are guilty. One more example. In Genesis chapter 22, we find the remarkable account of God commanding his servant Abraham. Many of you know the story. To take his son Isaac up to Mount Moriah and offer his own son as a burnt sacrifice. And the Bible tells us that as Abraham raised the knife to plunge it into the heart of his own son, the Lord stopped him and instead provided a ram as a sacrifice in the thicket for the sacrifice that God had required. Moved with gratitude for what God had done. Can you imagine Sparing his son. Moved with such gratitude, we read that Abraham named that place Yahweh Yireh, meaning the Lord will provide. And nearly 2,000 years later, in that same group of hills known as the region of Moriah, God himself would provide the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of mankind. It was in that same geographical area that many Bible scholars believe that Jesus Christ, God's only Son, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, is what John said, it was there that he was crucified. So we see again, somebody very innocent died as a sacrifice for those of us who are guilty. You see, every animal offered in the Old Testament sacrifice was required to be without blemish. But these animals were just simply an object lesson pointing to another spotless sacrifice whom God himself would provide to atone for the sins of the world. Those Old Testament sacrifices were made by sinful priests who had to atone first for their own sins. But Jesus Christ was the perfect high priest who willingly presented himself as a sacrifice. Those Old Testament sacrifices provided temporary reconciliation with God. 
But Jesus Christ's sacrifice offered eternal redemption through salvation for every man, woman, boy, and girl that will believe. Those Old Testament sacrifices had to be offered continually on an ongoing basis. But Jesus Christ's sacrifice was one and done. Once and for all. And it's my mission this morning for the next few moments to help you see that today. As a matter of fact, the history of the sacrificial system teaches us that in addition to the sprinkling of goat blood on the mercy seat once per year, there was another sacrifice, and I want you to follow with me closely through this this morning. I won't be long. There was another sacrifice that it was at the center of the Jewish sacrificial system. I'd never before seen this in my study, but it was called the Talmud sacrifice. Actually, the Hebrew word Talmud means standing, as in perpetual or continual. The ritual of the Talmud sacrifice was a daily communal sacrifice in the temple for the atonement and sanctification of the covenant people of God, and it was the focus of religious life for the Israelites who were in covenant union with God. There were, out of all the other sacrifices, there were no other sacrifices that were to ever take precedence over the Talmud in the temple. Here is what we know about the Talmud sacrifice. The Talmud was to be offered up twice daily, both in the morning and in the evening. Pay very close attention. Once at 9 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. With each sacrifice that they brought for the Talmud would take approximately six hours to die. So that would make it a continual process, a standing and continual ongoing sacrifice thus named the Talmud. Now, I found that in Jewish history, but now I'm going to give you Bible to back it up. Exodus chapter 29, verses 38 through 40. These are the sacrifices you are to offer regularly on the altar. Each day, offer two lambs that are a year old, one in the morning and the other in the evening. With one of them, offer two quarts of choice flour mixed with one quart of pure oil of pressed olives, Also offer one quart of wine as a liquid offering. Offer the other lamb in the evening along with the same offerings of flour and wine as in the morning. It will be a pleasing aroma, a special gift presented to the Lord. So every day at 6 a.m., a Talmud sacrifice would be chosen and inspected. And it was no different on that Good Friday. At 6 a.m. in the morning, back at the temple, another lamb was chosen and inspected to be the next Talmud sacrifice. The high priest either had to make or approve this selection to be certain that it was without fault or blemish. It had to be visible and displayed for three hours, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., prior to the sacrifice, so that everybody could look at it and see its perfection. But also, happening in Jerusalem on this day, at 6 a.m. in the morning, Jesus, who had already been chosen by Caiaphas. Caiaphas was none other than the Jewish high priest. 
For Caiaphas had already pronounced three times that Jesus must die. If you're taking notes, he pronounced it in John chapter 11, verses 49 through 51, and again in John chapter 18 and verse 14. Caiaphas was was taking Jesus for further inspection. At the same time, the Talmud was being selected at the temple. John chapter 18 and verse 28. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers did not go inside because it would defile them and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. See, the Jewish Sanhedrin did not have the authority to carry out the death sentence that they had pronounced against Jesus. The only person who had that authority was their Roman ruler who had the authority to make that decision. And we read in John 18 and verse 31, their Roman governor, Pilate, said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. While Caiaphas had pronounced three times that this lamb must die, Pilate, the Gentile Roman governor, had declared three times that this lamb was without spot or blemish. John chapter 18 and verse 38, Pilate said, What is truth? And then he went out again to the people and told them, He is not guilty of any crime. John chapter 19 verses 4 through 6, Pilate went outside again. And he said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you. But understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, look, here is the man. And when they saw him, the leading priest and the temple guards began shouting, crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate said, you take him yourself and crucify him. In other words, I'm not going to have any part in this. And he went on to say, I find him, there's the third time, not guilty. And here's where we read that Pilate bowed to the pressure of this world to have Jesus crucified. And he sent him to Golgotha. Mark chapter 15 and verse 15. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And he ordered Jesus flogged, as you just saw, with a lead-tipped whip. And then he turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. So at 9 a.m., back at the temple, the Talmud sacrifice was being laid on the altar. But at the same exact time of day, at 9 a.m. on Golgotha's hill, on a hill called Mount Calvary, Jesus was placed, or nailed rather, on the altar of the cross. Mark 15 and 25, if you want the word to back it up, it was when? 9 o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. That Talmud sacrifice would take approximately six hours to suffer and die on the altar before being consumed by fire and the altar being cleansed and prepared for the evening sacrifice. 
And for the next six long hours, the Son of God would endure excruciating pain and intense suffering. For six long hours, his body would bear what ours could not. The inconceivable sacrifice that he made on that day, can I tell you, it is so often taken for granted. Even in churches across America today, we want to shout about the resurrection without pausing to take time and remember the six hours of inconceivable sacrifice that he made. And I want to tell you this morning, without any real perception or reality of the pain and the agony that he endured, we cannot even begin to imagine. We cannot comprehend those six hours of indescribable hell. Why, Pastor? I'll tell you why. He suffered six hours of indescribable hell so that you and I could be given the opportunity to make a choice to go to heaven. Because on this day, everything else had been the same, but this day was different. As a matter of fact, something strange happened in the middle of the three hours into his suffering. At noon, three hours into the sacrifice of this spotless lamb, something happened. It was like the entire world just stopped turning. All of creation knew that today was different. Luke chapter 23 and verse 44. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Back at the temple, it grew dark. And it stayed dark for three hours. And back at the temple, see, remember the, the sacrifice had to be selected. The Talmud sacrifice had to be selected for the evening. And it had to be laid out on public display for everybody to see its imperfections. But that was going to be difficult to do in the dark. Because back at the temple, the lights were out. And see, the reason was because today was different. Look at the person next to you and say, today is different. On this day, there was never, ever, ever again going to be the need for another selection of a Talmud sacrifice. Because today, on Golgotha's hill, there was a sacrifice taking place that would end the need for any further sacrifices once and for all. The writer of Hebrews illustrates the contrast between the Old Testament sacrificial system and the sacrifice of Christ in this way. Here's what he said. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more imperfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves. Are you seeing that? But he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. 
And that's exactly what was happening. For the next three hours, darkness. The darkness that verified the identity of the man hanging on the middle cross. And at that moment, people began to realize he was who he said he was. And today, he still is who he says he is. He's that one spotless lamb that died on the cross and he made redemption for you and I possible once and for all. But this darkness also prohibited the selection and the display of any other lamb. Luke chapter 23 verses 45 and 46. For the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And the Bible tells us when he had said this, he breathed his last. Meanwhile, back at the temple, there was panic. Because it was past time for a new lamb to be selected. See, it was already too late to allow the, the proper time for it to be put on display for three hours. Nothing like this had ever happened before in history. The sun not shining in the middle of the day had never occurred to hinder the process of the continual Talmud sacrifice. And it was at that very moment when Jesus breathed his last that the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. <laughs> Woo! The Holy of Holies was no longer available to just a select few, but it had now been opened up for anybody and everybody who wanted to enter in. It was 3 p.m. at the temple. Do you know what 3 p.m. at the temple was known as? The hour of confession. When the priest went behind the veil and made atonement and confessed the sins of the people. But when Jesus said, it is finished. And when he took his last breath, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. Because at that moment, they didn't need a 6 p.m. sacrifice on that Good Friday. And they would never, ever, ever need a Talmud sacrifice burning continually on the altar again because Jesus Christ had already provided the ultimate sacrifice and paid the price once and for all. You ought to give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, our main text, verses 8 through 10 again. After Christ said this about not being satisfied with the various sacrifices and offerings required under the old system, he then added, here I am. I've come to give my life. I need somebody in this room to understand today. This is more than about baskets and eggs and chocolate bunnies. 
It's more than even shouting about the resurrection. Thank God he got up, but because he got up, you can get up too. But it's about the fact that once and for all, the next verse tells us he cancels the first system in favor of a far better one because under this new plan, we've been forgiven and we've been made clean by Jesus dying for us once and for all. So I want to ask you to stand all over this room with me today and I want to ask them to come to the music. Because what we celebrate today is more than the fact that he rose from the dead. What we celebrate today is the fact that his death on the cross ended the need for any other sacrifices forever. See, there's no longer the need for the blood of an animal that provided for a continual sacrifice, a constant sacrificial lamb. Because his blood, his blood will always be sufficient. Always. And when he shed his blood, it was finished once and for all. Now in this room today, I have no idea what you might have need of in this room. I just know that in my prayer time this week, God begin to stir me that somebody needs to understand it'll never be about how good you are it'll never be about how good you can do or how good you can be because his blood covers every sin covers every blemish and I don't know what you have need of this morning in this room maybe it's forgiveness if you need forgiveness it's in the blood maybe you need deliverance you're bound by something if you need deliverance today it's in his blood maybe you need healing in your physical body Can I tell you today, the Word of God tells us your healing is in His blood. The Word said, by His stripes, we are healed. Whatever you need today, there is no other blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole? Again, I don't know about you, but I'm glad this morning that when we mess up, we can be made whole again. See, self-righteous church folk don't like you talking about this. I said self-righteous church folk don't like you talking about this. I didn't say if you mess up. I said when you mess up. We can be made whole again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh. 
precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. There is no other fount that I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Here's what I want you to understand today. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this room. I want to ask you if you are here today and you say, Pastor, I know that if I went out into eternity today to meet him, I know that I'm ready. I know I have made things right with the Lord and I'm ready if I should go out into eternity to meet him today. Can I tell you? Let me see those hands first before I say that. If you know you're ready, let me see your hands all over this room. Just put them up there and leave them up for just a second. All over this room, if you know you're ready, thank you. I want to talk to those of you right now with every head bowed and every eye closed that for whatever reason you felt like you could not lift your hand today. You say, preacher, I'm not ready to do this today. Let me tell you something. Thank God little Eli Hill had been taken to church and he'd already accepted Jesus. Because nobody knew that he'd go home from school on that Monday afternoon and start shooting basketball in his driveway. And just a few hours later, be in the presence of Jesus. I'm thankful he was ready. I said, I'm thankful he was ready. I want to share a very personal testimony with you this morning that I didn't share at 845. And I'm talking to those of you who could not raise your hand. When I was nine years old, we built a new fireplace in our house. My daddy had a friend that told him if he'd come cut some trees on his property, he could have it for firewood. Some trees that had fallen had already dried out. To my knowledge, to our knowledge, my daddy wasn't ready. He knew what was right. I can only hope and pray that in the last few moments of his life, he called upon the God that his mother had raised him to call on. But at 39 years of age, he left our house that day. He went and cut firewood and loaded his truck down. But before he ever made it home, he went out into eternity. What I'm trying to tell you, if you couldn't raise your hand this morning, is this. You don't want to leave here today without that blood applied. Let me rephrase that. You don't have to leave here today without that blood applied. There's a room full of people in here who lifted their hands this morning that will tell you Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And the only difference between you the person beside you that lifted their hand is one decision. One decision. You say, no, no, preacher, you don't know. I do this, I do that. I got, listen, I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done, what you did last night, or what you might have did before you walked in here today. His blood will always be sufficient. The only difference between you and somebody that lifted their hand is one decision. And it's a simple it's just admitting that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. 
believing this Jesus Christ that I preached about this morning was the only begotten Son of God, that He did give His life on that cross at Calvary. Simultaneously with the Thomas sacrifice, His body was nailed to the tree, and He hung there for six hours, signifying the same timeline to illustrate to us today what He did, did it once and for all. to leave here without that blood applied this is the last thing I want to share with you today and we're going to open this altar up this sacrifice messed up their daily routine you see they started out the day as normal doing their normal things with the morning sacrifice but by the time of the regularly scheduled evening sacrifice before that time the veil had already been split in two from top to bottom because we would never again need another man to go into the Holy of Holies before us. But you hear this preacher this morning and you hear me well. The next time that your daily routine gets messed up, you may very well start out your day as usual. But the next thing he splits might be the eastern sky because the Bible said when he comes back he's going to split the eastern sky with the voice of the archangel Gabriel's going to blow the trumpet the sky's going to open up and those who are ready are going to be raptured out of here it's going to be over for us but if you wait until your routine is messed up and you wait until the next thing that splits is that sky. You've waited too late, my friend. You've waited too late. You don't have time to put him off. You can leave here today with the blood applied. So in just a moment, they're going to begin to sing a song that talks about how the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Those that didn't raise your hands, it's my prayer today. Don't worry, you won't be coming by yourself. But it's my prayer today that you would make that decision to step out from where you are and walk down to this altar at the foot of this cross and say, Jesus, I want your blood to cover my sin today and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. And while you're doing that, I want to invite everybody in this room today that is thankful for the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ that covers our sin once and for all. If you're thankful, would you come with those who maybe could not raise their hand, find a place in this altar this morning and kneel and just say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied to my life. Thank you, Jesus. Is anybody thankful? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied.